Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest is scheduled for your listening pleasure. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Turnbuckle Topics Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Deneen, and this is my review of this past week's AEW Dynamite. Very good show, I gotta say. It took place in Sunrise, Florida. And before I get into all the matchups and segments and so on and so forth, of course, uh, Tony Khan, as he always does, like it or not, had an announcement. And it went as follows. Uh, The opening ceremonies of the second annual Owen Hart Cup will take place at Double or Nothing in Las Vegas on May 28th. The tournament will be held in Owen Hart's home country of Canada, including uh, AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling's Forbidden Door. I believe that's June 25th. That takes place. And he goes on to say it's fitting because Owen held the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And the finals of the tournament will take place in Owen's hometown of Calgary, Alberta, Canada on Saturday, July 15th, uh, which is believed to be an episode of AEW Collision, the new show uh, that is set to debut in June, I believe, mid-June, and uh, from 8 to 10 on TNT, I believe. So that's very interesting news that we got from, uh, you know, uh, Tony Khan. That's two great um, two great announcements he's had this month. Of course, I was at the show uh, back in April 5th uh, in Long Island when he announced that All In will be taking place um, in, in at Wembley Stadium, uh, celebrating 100 years of Wembley Stadium. And uh, a huge show. First time they're making their way over there to London. So that's a big deal. Uh, So anyway, let's get to the uh, opening bout here. We had Orange Cassidy uh, defending his AEW International Championship versus Bandito. Uh, He retains uh, with the beach break. Now look, Orange Cassidy has upwards of 20 title defenses. Uh, Always great matches. However, the, the big knock here with a lot of AEW stuff uh, as well is that uh, although he's had notable... uh, notable opponents for sure no notable storylines during this championship reign really it's just one-offs it's great wrestling like a lot of AEW, it's great wrestling but the one thing that they've lacked consistently uh, during their three to four year tenure is solid quality storylines to be invested in yeah here and there sure absolutely Uh, i love right now what the elite and the blackpool combat club are doing back and forth that's awesome uh but orange cassidy realistically man he needs to uh get involved in some serious storylines uh, the matchups are great week in, week out on Dynamite. Don't get me wrong. He's doing a great job retaining and defending this title overall. I kind of wish Pac got this uh, opportunity when he was the inaugural uh, you know, All-Atlantic champion before it became the International Championship earlier in the month. So we'll see what happens there. I don't have any hope that they're going to really put him in a significant storyline, Orange Cassidy, that is. Of course, they spotlight him every week. But look, we'll probably get another great match, uh, but no storylines. So we'll see. Following that, we had Dax Harwood, one half of the two-time AEW World Tag Team Champions and current tag champs, going up against Jeff Jarrett. A decent matchup here, but he took Dax Harwood down. Uh, much to our surprise. What are we doing here? Um, even though it's a singles bout, why is Dax losing to Jeff Jarrett? Do we plan on potentially having uh, Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett take down um, you know, FTR for these tag titles? We've seen it once before where... Uh, just a couple of months ago, where Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal were going up against the acclaimed. I believe they had one or two tag title opportunities. Obviously, they didn't get the job done. The guns uh, eventually dethroned uh, the acclaimed. 
However, um, I'm not so sure what we're doing here. Uh, FTR is finally crowned as tag champs uh, for the first time since uh, you know AEW has had an audience. The first first go around was shortly thereafter with they when they uh, joined the company in 2020 when they were tag champs. But yeah, so that that was a bit of a head scratcher. Uh, what we're doing with that, but anyway, uh, we're moving on here to the TNT Championship from one head scratcher to another. Uh, Wardlow squashed a local talent jobber for his first title defense uh, of his third AEW TNT Championship reign. Uh, headbutt, Lariat, Powerbomb, uh, Symphony, done. Um, did the same thing during the beginning of Hobbs reign recently, uh, going up against local talent, and it doesn't make sense. Uh, again, we had Luchasaurus come out at the end of this matchup, I believe, uh, Christian Cage, and again, that's going to be Wardlow's next opponent, potentially the one to dethrone him. You know, we always see Wardlow lose shortly thereafter. Was to Samoa Joe, was to Powerhouse Hobbs, and now potentially to Luchasaurus. Don't get me wrong, I like Luchasaurus. I think he's very good uh, and deserving of a title opportunity, but I just hate to see Wardlow continuously being used as a transitional type of champion when, in fact, he should have a lengthy title reign. I mean, this time last year, he was in talks of, you know, eventually potentially becoming AEW World Champion. And now it's like, dude, you can't even hold on to the TNT Championship for more than a, a cup of coffee. So, I mean, that that's really where we're at with that. But anyway, we'll see. We'll probably see him and Luchasaurus mix it up next month at Double or Nothing. That would make sense. Again, I could also see him losing it there as well. Sad but true. Top of the 9 o'clock hour already. Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara. Winner faces MJF at Double or Nothing for the AEW World Championship. Now, MJF was on commentary for this match eating kosher pickles. Offered Taz one, but he can't do the sodium. That was good to note. I love Taz on commentary. Uh, we saw a beautiful spot where Sammy nailed a 630 centon on the Darby Allen right through a table on the outside. That was brutal, but beautiful at the same time. Um, MJF placed Darby Allen's skateboard in the ring, making it look like Darby was about to use it on Sammy for the win. The ref thought Darby did it. It was immediately disqualified during this match, leading to a Sammy Guevara victory and number one contendership uh, for double or nothing. So now it's supposed to be allegedly... Uh, you know, MJF versus Sammy. We all know that's not going to happen. So after that, Jungle Boy makes the save to help Darby post-match. And while MJF was on the mic talking to Jungle Boy and Darby, uh, talking a mess as usual, Tony Schiavone interrupts MJF and says, actually, you prick, which I thought was great. I love Tony Schiavone. I've loved him since the WCW days uh, during Nitro and all that. But he interrupts him and says, actually, you prick, on behalf of Tony Khan, if Darby Allen and Jungle Boy can defeat Sammy Guevara and MJF next week in a tag team match, then at double or nothing, we'll have an AEW World Championship match. It will be a Pillars Fatal 4-Way match for the AEW World title. Uh, so that would be great. I think that's what we're looking at, and I think it's the inevitable. They've already teased it uh, numerous times uh, throughout this past week, which one, one instance I'm about to get to. Sammy tried to get into MJF's SUV uh, shortly thereafter backstage, of course. And MJF goes, Sammy, what are you doing? Do you tell Sammy it's full and that he can't get in? MJF gets in. The SUV peels out. Again, already leading uh, fr to friction between the two for next week's tag team matchup. And um, it looks like after their couple of weeks of uh, social media posts and hugs and all that stuff, it looks like the honeymoon phase is over. And we're going to see Sammy and MJF buttheads, which is going to lead to this fatal four-way of the four pillars of AEW at Double or Nothing, which is the way it should be, and it will be beautiful. Next up, a very pissed off Adam Cole comes out especially for the events that took place last week involving Britt Baker and such, now selling her merch. Uh, a picture of uh, Britt Baker on T-shirts, as the outcasts wear, uh, that, oddly enough, Britt Baker is actually um, also promoting, but hey, whatever, I'm sure she's getting a cut from it. Her face is on the shirt, donning that uh, shiner, her left eye. She had a black eye. So anyway, Adam Cole uh, 
goes and calls out Chris Jericho for last week's actions against himself and his significant other, Britt Baker. Uh, Soraya and company uh, beating Britt again with a kendo stick while Cole was handcuffed to the ring ropes. Britt also received that black guy, as I just mentioned. Calls out Jericho. Music finally hits. Chris Jericho shows up on the Tron. Uh, on screen, Jericho goes and, and calls Cole a coward and doesn't want to come to the ring. He sicks the Jericho Appreciation Society on him. It's a four-on-one assault. That is until Orange Cassidy and his opponent earlier in the night, Bandito, come out uh, to help him out, make the save, but there's still a man down. And then things got interesting because none of us saw this coming. Uh, we found out afterwards that um, in the coming days that his contract was actually up in November, but it was very hush-hush because NXT doesn't uh, make official announcements of, of you know who is moved on uh, from the company and so on like they do for Raw or SmackDown. But needless to say, we got the AEW debut of Roderick Strong coming out for the save to even the odds here. Former member of the Undisputed Era uh, in NXT with Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, of course, Cole, the leader of that faction. And man, I, there's part of me that obviously wishes Bobby uh, Fish uh, wouldn't have said what he said and is, you know, on bad terms with AEW. He left there, you know, few months back only that one year contract he had with them or so man i would have loved to see a reunion of the undisputed era on aew tv but they fully won't be able to do that now because it's only adam cole roderick strong and kyle o'reilly uh who's been out for some time too so anyway we got to uh see them in the middle of the ring after rod uh roddy strong came for the save uh huge embrace in the center of the ring uh, between cole and roderick strong again i hope to see kyle o'reilly back in the very near future that'd be great and uh, that was pretty much that. So, you know, TBS championship match here. We had Taya Valkyrie going up against Jade Cargill. Honestly, if there was somebody in the in the recent past that, you know, uh, one name that comes to mind that I, I thought could potentially dethrone Jade Cargill, I thought uh, Taya Valkyrie could be the one. I, I really did. I was hopeful, but I there was a part of me that that knew something would would not be right and that she would not defeat Jade on this night because. Mark Sterling's involved or Layla Gray on the outside. And, you know, if Jade is going to lose, I think it really should happen at a pay-per-view. But that being said, um, they have the same finisher. Jade calls it Jaded. Ty Valkyrie calls it the Road to Valhalla. Now, her finisher was banned for this match. So if she used this, uh, this her finisher, the same as Jade, the Jaded, the Road to Valhalla, uh, she would be disqualified immediately, thanks to Mark Sterling, who is the one who set this up, this uh, legal clause says Ty was about to go for her finisher during the match. Aubrey Edwards advised her not to do it. Again, reminding her she'd be disqualified. And uh, meanwhile, while this was all happening, Jade was able to roll Ty up for the win. Ty was then about to hit her finisher on Aubrey Edwards, the referee post-match, but a group of referees jumped in the ring and prevented it. So Jade retains. She's 56-0. Who's next? You know, I do think this feud continues between Ty Valkyrie and Jade Cargill. I don't think it's over just yet. I could see a rematch taking place at Double or Nothing, even though it is a month away. I, I could see Ty and Jade making it happen. Maybe Mark Sterling and uh, Layla Gray are banned from ringside. Ty Valkyrie's now eligible or able to perform her finishing move. Why should Why shouldn't she be able to? So I think that's how it goes down. And Taya Valkyrie still very well could be the one to dethrone Jade Cargill. I really could see that happening. So next up, we have Jamie Hayter, who was wearing a sling over her right arm, and Britt uh, still with that shiner on her left eye, as I had mentioned earlier on, from that beatdown, that brutal, vicious beatdown last week in Pittsburgh, her hometown, even though they did defeat uh, the team of Ruby Soho and Tony Storm earlier in the night. Hayter went on to say, you declared war, so there's some unfinished business. Again, even though they defeated them earlier in the night, uh, a week ago, this is far from over. 
And also, I got to mention this, a fun fact that we most of us, I don't think, knew was last Sunday, uh, Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker celebrated their birthday. What do you know? Their birthday is on the very same day. And so uh, shout out to both of them. Happy belated birthday. I believe Jamie Hayter posted on social media. She went skydiving uh, for her birthday. There was an actual video clip of it, which is pretty damn cool. She's a lot more brave than me. I'm not quite sure if I could do that. Uh, so anyway, we'll see what happens going forward with them. Uh, who will Jamie Hayter's uh, opponent be at Double or Nothing? Will it be a member of the Outcasts? We'll see. Main event time. Now we have Konosuke Takeshita and Kenny Omega with Don Callis going up against the Butcher and the Blade. Brian Danielson on commentary. Now, let's fast forward to this because the juicier part is what happened post-match. So Konosuke Takeshita pins the Butcher for the win. Brian then comes out and says uh, Kenny Omega's best days are behind him. And he's just living off of his legacy at this point that he uh, established, especially in New Japan Pro Wrestling and so on. He says Takeshita would be best suited with the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, and while he says that, the Blackpool Combat Club uh, come out and attack Kenny Omega. Then suddenly the Bucks music hits. The Bucks come out and Matt and Nick Jackson, Matt and Nick Jackson help even the odds. Uh, right when Omega was going to come after Moxley with a, screwdri a screwdriver, however, uh, Brian convinces Konosuke Takeshita to get, to get in the ring and to stop him from doing so. And that's exactly what he did. He did it and prevented it. Uh, then the Blackpool Combat Club try to get Takeshita to join their group. He declines. Wheeler Yuta hits Konosuke with a low blow. Then Moxley sticks the notorious screwdriver to the forehead of Takeshita. Absolutely brutal. Uh, bleeding uh, profusely as dynamite went off air. So the interesting thing to note, specifically with the Blackpool Combat Club, if you look at their logo, it's a fist in the center. And up top, it says forged in combat. And below the fist, it says bound by blood. Of course, all their names, Claudio Moxley, Daniel Senuta, Blackpool Combat Club. It's a pretty badass look. I'm not going to lie. Now, if you remember, before Wheeler Yuta joined the Blackpool Combat Club, Moxley beat the living hell out of him. And pretty sure he bled. We all know Moxley bleeds, but I'm pretty sure he bled at one point, at one time or another, and eventually succumbed or just became one of them. You know, left the best friends group with uh, Chuck Taylor, Tramparetta, and Orange Cassidy, and so on, and had a bit of a mean streak in him since then. Two-time Ring of Honor Pure Rules champion, by the way, since then as well. And John Moxley to Brian Danielson even uh, goes and says, I don't team with anyone who hasn't bled with me. That took place, of course. They joined forces uh, earlier on. And Konosuke, uh, Konosuke excuse me, uh, uh, on Dynamite this past Wednesday, he bled as well, profusely, as I said, um, by the hands of John Moxley. So all signs are pointing to, you know, Konosuke Takeshita sooner than later turning on the elite or just flat out joining the Blackpool Combat Club. Now, the interesting fact here is, is Don Callis, which we all know he's uh, pretty much a heel through and through. Is Don Callis also going to side with the Blackpool Combat Club as part of a big elaborate plan as why he brought out Konosuke Takeshita two weeks ago to help aid um, Kenny Omega? That, that's the question there. I think that um, Callis uh, very well could be part of this whole plan with Takeshita. And, um, and I think it's going to be very interesting going forward. Uh, a lot of people are saying um, for blood and guts that comes up 
in the very near future. I'm not sure what month or what date that show is, but for a five-on-five type of deal, uh, we could see Wheeler Yuta, John Moxley, Brian Danielson, Claudio Castanoli, and Kanosuke Takeshita on one side. On the other side, we could see Kenny Omega, uh, Nick Jackson, Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks, Adam Hangman Page, and potentially Kota Ibushi. I think uh, that's very likely. Uh, seeing Ibushi team up with uh, with Kenny Omega yet again. What they go by the name of the Golden Lovers, I believe, was their their name in uh, in New Japan. So we'll see. But uh, I got to tell you guys that it's it's getting juicy. It's getting really good. Speaking of Kota Ibushi, there was also a list that came out recently that uh, of people that he either wants to fight, team up with, or work with again. And there was a lot of names, uh, a lot of notable names from WWE on here. I haven't heard anything of Kota Ibushi necessarily going to WWE. Um, I think more so he would be going to AEW, but who, who knows? Remains to be seen. Some of the WWE names he mentioned was AJ Styles, Sami Zayn, uh, Finn Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura, Roman Reigns. And as far as AEW guys are concerned, uh, again, uh, Kanosuke Takeshita is a name he mentioned. And the other four that I think he'll end up uh, aligning with. Uh, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Hangman Adam Page. Uh, I think the proof is in the pudding right there. And as far as any other names he mentioned, of course, uh, Will Ospreay as well was the name he had mentioned as far as names he would like to work with. So we'll see. But I think that's uh, all signs are pointing to uh, a Kanosuke Takeshita heel turn sooner than later, uh, aligning himself with the Blackpool Combat Club, which I think would be great. Good luck for him and, and great for that, that uh, faction. And... Yeah, I think Kota Ibushi aligns with uh, the Elite. That'll be dope. That'll be really good. I, spe- speaking of the Blackpool Combat Club, though, if I could just say a couple things that I wish uh, they were better on the mic. You know, Moxley and especially Danielson are just so damn good on the mic, uh, being heels, getting to see that that Brian Danielson heel side of him for the first time since his uh, WWE Championship run back in 2019 uh, when he eventually lost to Kofi Kingston, Kofi Mania, WrestleMania 35. Love that heel side of him, which we haven't seen in the better part of four years. So I wish that Wheeler Yuta, who definitely has more of an edge to him, don't get me wrong, but I wish Wheeler Yuta, and especially Claudio, I wish that they were just better on the microphone. Um, look, don't get me wrong. I know Claudio could speak eight, eight languages. He's amazing. Very smart, bright individual. But I just wish there was a little more tenacity and uh, a better promo uh, from a heel standpoint from Claudio and, and Wheeler Yuta. Love them both. Love them both. But I would like to see them, you know, work their way towards the level of a a Moxley type of demeanor and uh, Brian Danielson. I know they're not going to be exactly carbon copies of either one, but I just want to see a little bit more effort put forth as far as really uh, their actions are showing heel through and through. Don't get me wrong, but I'd love to see them a a little bit more amp it up from a heel standpoint and more of a uh, believable uh, heel on the microphone. That's all. That being said, uh, pretty sure pretty sure that was it. Yeah, that was uh, pretty much AEW Dynamite. And um, any other notes before we get on out of here? You know, being that we are going to get this AEW collision supposedly from 8 to, 8 to 10 p.m. on Saturday nights. According to Fight TV, AEW Dark Elevation is coming to an end. Uh, so that Dark Elevation is Monday nights on YouTube and then regular AEW Dark is Tuesday nights on YouTube. So no need for back-to-back nights of YouTube shows we're getting two more hours of content on actual television, which is great. You know, we got two hours of Dynamite on Wednesday. We get the one-hour Rampage, which unfortunately is pre-recorded typically more times than not, uh, which I wish they went live with. We get that one-hour Friday, and then we're going to get two hours, which I believe will be live, of um, 
AEW collision as well. So you're going to get five hours of TV time. That's great. You only need a, you know, an hour or two of dark on a Tuesday night. Sure. You don't need back-to-back nights of it. Look, I love pro wrestling more than the next person, but, or just as much as the next person rather, but I mean, damn, enough is enough. I mean, even if I didn't watch WWE or any other company and solely was zoned in on AEW, I would still say uh, enough is enough. I love to see opportunities for all these up and coming talents on these YouTube shows. But look, I think you could get a lot done um, just on a Tuesday night dark show, really, for these up and comers, these men, these women, these singles, these tags, these trios, whatever, and then slowly integrate and incorporate them accordingly onto a dynamite onto that one hour rampage. And of course, now onto this AEW collision, if they are doing a, a soft brand split without, you know, effectively having a draft like uh, WWE is right now with Raw and SmackDown, NXT, et cetera. So I'd be very interested to see how that goes, but I think it is necessary to get rid of uh, one of the YouTube shows, which is uh, what is exactly is going to happen. And, and, I, and I'm glad that that is taking place. All right. Uh, AEW, anything else before we slide out of here? Um, speaking of Roderick Strong, a lot of people were actually very happy not only to see Roderick Strong on AEW because, you know, if for a long time he's wanted to leave WWE, at least the better part of a year. It was said that he requested his release, uh, much like the grizzled young veterans um, have been lately, the dyad, right, with Joe, Joe Gacy, the schism, but it kept being denied. And so eventually his contract ran out in November, and we hadn't heard much. We hadn't seen him, obviously, being with Diamond Mine. It's just been the Creed brothers, really, and Ivy Nile out there. Um but he made the jump to AEW, much like formerly known as Malcolm Biv- uh, Malcolm Bivens, the, the manager of uh, Diamond Mine, Stokely Hathaway. But anyway, that being said, a Roderick Strong AEW theme, uh, many said was his Ring of Honor theme, which was incorrect. Did my fact-checking here. And this was actually his, uh, his theme song from PWG. Now, uh, a lot of people were absolutely loving it. It was a, Apparently, it was a Kill Switch Engage uh, entrance song for Roderick Strong. My first time... Uh, hearing it, especially seeing, because uh, I didn't follow him, uh, you know, Roddy, and in all sincerity, in PWG or even ROH, I had only been following him for the long time he was in NXT. He had been in NXT since at least uh, 2015, I want to say. He was, you know, obviously he just left NXT, contract ran out, but he was the longest tenured member there, I believe, um, for quite some time. So look, uh, shout out to him. I love the entrance uh, theme. You could tell how excited he is to be in AEW. You could see it's kind of like a breath of fresh air. And whether he does align himself with Adam Cole, or even if it's his introductory way, great way to bring him in for the time being until he gets his feet wet and gets some matches under him and stuff like that. Uh, I hope he has a great, uh, well, I know he's going to have a great time, but I hope he really, you know, propels and excels title opportunities, whether he ends up on the ring of honor, uh, ring of honor side of things or he does stay in AEW. I hope to see him in title contention uh, in the AEW International Championship. Uh, maybe one day the AEW TNT Championship or Ring of Honor. Uh, maybe the Ring of Honor Championship, the pure rules. There's a lot of opportunities. Lord knows uh, there's plenty of singles titles in both Ring of Honor and AEW that he could go after and have a legitimate shot at. Or if he's in a tag team scenario, again, both, both companies, whether it's Ring of Honor or AEW, he'll have that opportunity as well. Uh, to do so. So shout out to Roderick Strong. Could not be happier uh, for him. Last note, Britt Baker, if you watch this AEW All Access show, which I've been watching after Dynamite uh, the last few weeks since it came out in in the March, early April. Either way, very good show. I've enjoyed All Access. I really have. Now, in a sit-down with Tony Schiavone, you know, Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone, very good friends. Britt Baker goes on to tell uh, Tony Schiavone that 
she doesn't want to become AEW Women's Champion anytime soon for at least the next five years. I don't believe that. Uh, she said there was just so much drama and all the negativity backstage, all the girls and women saying this and that. And, you know, it just caused a lot of unnecessary drama and uh, tension that she was not about, did not expect. And hey, look, you know, you got a target on your back, like it or not, when you're champion in a company. Of course, there's going to be jealousy. That's just the way it is. And although I do know that Tony Khan uh, considers Britt Baker to be one of his favorites, very evident for many a reason. That being said, I don't believe she she means that. I believe it's a great way to to take some heat off yourself as saying, hey, look, I'm just here to make the division better, which I do believe Britt Baker is there for, but also saying that, you know, you don't want to be champion for the next at least five years. That's that's nonsense. That's that really is. You're in it to win it. I don't care which what she says. I, I get it. Her her best friend or her running mate, uh, Jamie Hayter, is the current champion, so it's a great thing to say. Uh, you know, in support of her and her reign. Maybe she'll be singing a different tune if and when Jamie Hayter is no longer the champion. Maybe we will or will not get that feud with one uh, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. I actually would not be opposed to it as long as Jamie Hayter goes over. I don't want to see Britt go up against Jamie and see Britt win. Uh, again, Britt just said, I want to be champion for five years. So if anything, she should be putting Jamie Hayter over, in my opinion. I love Jamie Hayter as champion. I was a fan of her even before she became champion. So hopefully she has a lengthy run. Obviously, she's been the AEW Women's Champion since Full Gear when she defeated Tony Storm when it was still the interim uh, championship because Thunder Rosa was still the actual champion at the time. But that's that. By the way, I want to see Tony Storm win again down the road, though. Uh, so she has a legitimate title reign. It's not called, quote-unquote, interim. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Turnbuckle Topics podcast. I'm your host, Pat Deneen. That is my review of AEW Dynamite. And uh, I'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Got a question for Pat? Send him an email at turnbuckletopics at gmail.com. That's turnbuckle, T-O-P-I-X, at gmail.com. Find him on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Turnbuckle Topics. Thanks for listening to the Turnbuckle Topics podcast. Be sure to subscribe. If you like the show, help others find out about it. Leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us next time for another episode of Turnbuckle Topics. See you then.